Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. By the way, I have a Sunday show, too. I don't think you'll notice that if you're watching the uh, advertising on our favorite cable network. But I thought you should know, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday is the number one Sunday night show on cable news talk. All right. I am printing out. Can you hear this, Mr. Producer? Can you hear that, America? I'm on Hannity tonight. Sean asked me to come on and talk about Dr. Fauci. I'm printing out what is, in printing terms, a 33, 34-page article that was written by Nicholas Wade, whom we've talked about before and whom I interviewed. I guess it'll be two Sundays ago. But he wrote this piece on May 5th, 2021. It blew the lid off this whole Fauci uh, cover-up and these other activities. And it did, really, because it was not only so thorough and substantive, but he's the former senior editor. Not cub reporter, not writer, not editor. Senior editor for the science page or pages of the New York Times. He didn't condemn Fauci. He was very careful not to condemn Fauci. Uh, but he did condemn everything that was swirling around, and it's hard not to look at Fauci and wonder what, what in the world was this man thinking, what, and how in the world has this man been running his operation? You know, it's interesting. For all the oversight, I don't really remember thorough investigations of the Infectious Disease Organization in our government, or the National Institutes for Health, or the CDC, 
or the FDA, they're pretty much on their own, aren't they? They're pretty much left alone. There may be GAO reports out there, accountability reports, but you won't see many of them. You won't see much of it. And there's certain findings in this article which are unequivocal. That is, not debatable. And one of them is, there is absolutely no evidence, not one scintilla of evidence, that the coronavirus was caused by an animal-to-human virus. Nothing. Zero. This gentleman, Nicholas White, he looked everywhere. He interviewed numerous experts. He's not, he's not a slouch. Found nothing. As for the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the lab, well, nobody can get in there to get the information they need. Nobody can get the data because the Chinese are no doubt have already destroyed it and destroyed anybody who knows about it. That said, whether it's in the law or whether it's a matter of logic, you don't have to be Einstein to figure out this lab was taking coronaviruses from bats and making them more lethal to human beings. More lethal to human beings. Well, that's exactly what happened. Then later we find out from the Wall Street Journal that three of the staffers got sick, very sick. We don't know what happened to them. Oops, they disappeared. Wow. Then we find out the organization that got a grant from Fauci's operation, run by a guy by the name of Dazik, that he gave part of that grant to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, in part, to do the kind of research I just talked about. He also organized virologists to sign a letter arguing that it was a natural cause that resulted in this coronavirus, not a spillover, a leak from a lab. And at the end of the article, as Nicholas Wade points out, at the end of the letter, he may, they make an extraordinary statement that they don't have a conflict, that they're just giving their professional scientific opinion. But he did have a conflict. He did have a conflict. There was a second statement that was issued, again by doctors, including Christian Anderson of the Scripps Research Institute. Now, in the emails, we know that Christian Anderson actually raised a concern. Maybe it was a leak out of the lab. We're not saying it was, of course, but something to consider. And yet, in their public letter, not their email to Fauci, in their public letter, signed by additional so-called experts and published in the journal Nature Medicine, they write, our analyses clearly show that the virus is not a laboratory construct or a purposefully manipulated virus. The five virologists declared... And as Nicholas Wade points out, this was another case of poor science. Poor science. 
So you had two affirmative statements by two groups of virologists that were used by the media to attack anybody who dared to raise questions about the lab in Wuhan, China. And God forbid if you call it the China virus, then you're clearly a racist. So this is what the media do. Most of the media who cover these stories are political media. They're political media. They're the same people who cover Capitol Hill or the White House. They're looking for opinions. They're looking for narratives. They're looking to position themselves. And you have groupthink and propaganda and pseudo-events, which cover up the real events. This information was unknown until Nicholas Wade wrote this piece. He looked at the grant. He looked specifically at the grant. And the grant was very specific in that it was to help support this this, uh, this, this attempt to make these viruses much more lethal, at least for human beings. Now, the emails also show that there was a bit of panic in our government. A bit of panic in Fauci's operation. Now, why would there be panic? Well, what else did we learn from this article and from Nicholas Wade? There was a a moratorium. A moratorium on this kind of grant-making and this kind of scientific endeavor. There was a moratorium. And the moratorium required that if there were going to be exceptions, the head of the National Institutes for Health, that's the umbrella organization, as well as Fauci's organization, would have to sign off on it. That would be Dr. Collins at the NIH, who's ultimately... Fauci's boss, and Dr. Fauci. I'm putting this in plain English after having interviewed the gentleman and now having studied this article for a third time. I mean, after all, it's in the... the hell is it? The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. I don't pretend to be a scientist, let alone an atomic scientist. And now we know All these efforts to silence individuals about the potential of a lab leak. To silence individuals who were seriously questioning Anthony Fauci and Dr. Collins over there, Franz Collins at the NIH. And all these efforts to distract and focus attention on Donald Trump and to try and embarrass him and humiliate him and degrade him to take attention away from these so-called experts is shocking. And I can't say I'm shocked anymore by the media. The media move in the whole aggregate of the media, the whole media industrial complex, they all move in one direction or another direction. Always opposite of our direction. Have you noticed? They call all this strongly condemned it as conspiracy theories, suggesting that COVID-19 does not have natural origins. And they would wave around the letters from these two 
groups of virologists without any curiosity whatsoever about what is the actual cause of this. We need to independently investigate this. You know who else didn't care? The Democrats in Congress. They control all these committees. They don't even care today. Is there a committee in Congress controlled by the Democrats that's investigating this? There's not one. They had an investigation of how Donald Trump handled it. Have they ever asked a tough question of Anthony Valci in front of any of these committees? No. No wonder Fauci likes Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden. He's known these people for decades. Now, he's very comfortable with the Democrats and the Democrat Party. They promote him. They salute him. But it's not just Fauci. It's our damnable corrupt media. People wouldn't get away with this. We'd have much more information as a people. If the media would do their job, but the media don't do their job. Ever. Ever. More when I return. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. The article, if you want to look it up yourself, we have linked to it previously, is The Origin of COVID. We'll have it up on the website this evening. The Origin of COVID. Did people or nature open Pandora's box at Wuhan? Well, I am convinced, speaking for myself, that it came from the lab. If there's absolutely no evidence to defend this wet market idea which was put out by the communist Chinese and embraced and regurgitated by our so-called experts, including so-called experts that received some of the grant and didn't reveal it at the time where they issued their letter. You have to ask yourselves why. Even to this day, even to this day, Joe Biden hasn't said, we need an investigation. He asks about the cause of COVID, But we need an investigation into Fauci's operation, the National Institutes of Health, organizations that are rarely investigated. Not for political reasons. Almost 600,000 Americans died. It's a lot of people. And we have a right to know what caused it. We have a right to know if we helped to fund it. 
Now, to say we'll never know anything because the Chinese destroyed the data, then we'll never know anything about anything related to the communist government in China. But that's not the way we operate. First, we have to figure out what happened on our side. It has always been very strange to me the extent to which Anthony Fauci has been in the media. I mean everywhere, every day, day and night. To what end? His answers are also, are often contradictory of answers he's given before. Everything is kind of parsed. He has a real knack for political speak. But he really hasn't told us anything. It's really the CDC that puts out the rules, not Fauci. Stay six feet apart, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear two masks, you know, wear a burqa, you know, whatever. Those directives don't come from Fauci. It's like the vaccine. Fauci's operation has some role in it, but it's not the primary role. The FDA has the primary role. And yet Fauci, not so long ago, was taking credit for the vaccines, along with Joe Biden. There's something about him that just rubs the wrong way. Is there not? There's something about the way he conducts himself. There's something about the way that he enjoys the spotlight, being on the cover of magazines, winning awards and getting money for his awards, and now he apparently has a book coming out. To me, this is not the normal behavior, number one, of a civil servant. It's just not. And number two, somebody who's, who is, quote-unquote, been dealing with the deadliest pandemic in modern times. You've been working on a book? You've been working on a book like Cuomo was working on a book, quote-unquote? At a time when people are dying and getting sick? Or what'd you do, write it in three weekends? Now, I have to admit, they say it's 80 pages long. I could write an 80-page book in about 14 seconds. But you get my point. It's Fauci time. I've mocked this all the time. Hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, it's Fauci time. And so he's almost bigger than life. He's celebrated. People will start to ask questions. Tom Cotton, Mike Pompeo, Rand Paul, so forth. And then this article drops almost a month ago now and really blows the lid off the whole thing. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. 
We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I want to dig in this a little bit further with you. I also want to tell you there was a piece in the Atlantic, which is a far-left website, quasi-publication. And it interviewed some never-Trumpers in particular, and here and there a conservative, and one or two publishers, but not many, about conservative books. Why are there no conservative books condemning Joe Biden? Who are they going to make the boogeyman? Furthermore, the assertion from the author is now they're just going to focus on broader themes and so forth and so on. So I first I think to myself and I look to the people who contributed to the article and I said, what do these people know about anybody or anybody else who's actually writing books or books that are coming out? Nothing. They haven't read my book. My book's not out yet. I didn't send it to them to read. I didn't send my book to Jonah Goldberg or anybody else. So what do they know? Now one of the reasons, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll tell you this, that I had to wait until now to release this book is because I wanted to see what would happen after the election and I wanted to see what Joe Biden would do because you'll recall on Levin TV, on Life, Liberty, and Levin, and especially behind this microphone. I would point out the 150-page, excuse me, Sanders and Biden manifesto, and I would go through it with you, 110 pages. And that's exactly what's happening. Biden's implementing that. His staff is implementing that. And I mention that in the book, and more. I go through some of the executive orders. So the entire premise of the article is wrong, Everybody they're talking to doesn't know what they're talking about. How can you talk about what's going on in this country and ignore what the Democrat Party's doing and what Biden's doing? Why? Because I don't have Biden's face on the book and call it Biden. Now, I confess, he's not the main part of the book, but he is part of the book. And so are all the others that are pushing this Marxist agenda, including the media and individuals in the media including especially academia and people in academia. So I guess this author will be surprised, but you won't be. This has to be the most comprehensive book I've ever written. And you know what? I need to write a volume two. This will be volume one. Because I couldn't cover the whole panoply of issues, the whole horizon of things going on in one book. As I told you, it would be five, six, seven, eight hundred pages long. And I don't think many of you would read it. I don't know that I'd read it, even if I wrote it. You look at, and I'm not comparing them, trust me. You look at Democracy in America, Alexis de Tocqueville. There were two volumes, basically two books. He came to the Americas twice. And by the way, his book was ignored and dismissed until about half a century after his death. Marx's writings were essentially ignored till about four decades after his death 
because the so-called progressives, who were really Marxists, American Marxists, they started to embrace, advance, and regurgitate Marxism, again, in an Americanized form. And I explain all this, and the reason I explain all this is so we understand what's going on in this country. This isn't just another cycle or a fad we're going through. This is a friggin' revolution that we're dealing with. We have parents that have to fight for the minds of their children in in elementary school. We have Americans who have to fight for their economic system every day. Whether you're a truck driver, an electrician, or a, a corporate magnate of some sort. We have to fight for basic science. Know the difference between male genitalia and female genitalia, and who has what? Then they take these issues, they make it impossible to discuss them and debate them, except on their terms, with their words and their phrases. And then they wrap them in civil rights propaganda. The Democrat Party's back, and it's as racist as ever before. Joe Biden's back and he's as racist as ever before. But that's not the story. This is a Marxist enterprise within the United States of America. And for those who don't believe it, in the late 1940s and 50s, and I touched on this yesterday, don't worry, I haven't lost my place. Some friends who meeting at the Reagan Library and others are having outside influences from Karl Rove and his ilk, where the world passes them by and they don't even comprehend what's taking place. No offense, nothing personal, nothing personal whatsoever. I've gone back and I look. Ronald Reagan, for years, fought the communists in Hollywood. He had joined these various nice-sounding organizations. He said he was a hemophilic liberal. In other words, he couldn't stop his bleeding heart. He had joined several organizations intended to promote the arts and defend those in the arts and to unionize those in the arts. And he realized, wait a minute, these are communist front groups, not a communist. Then, of course, the big enchilada, the screen actors grill, Guild. He said, holy mackerel. Many communists here. Or people sympathetic to communists. Sterling Hayden was, a, was an example. People who were sympathetic, but he was one of many. And he fought them as president of the union. This history of Reagan is ignored. It's certainly forgotten. What many of his so-called pseudo-advocates today, most of whom opposed him in 68 and 76, or weren't even on the scene helping him, most of them want you to believe that Ronald Reagan was like, you know, a Bush or a McCain or a Rom. He was nothing like them. Nothing. 
Bush didn't fight the establishment either of them. They were the establishment. They fought Reagan. And so forth. Reagan will be standing with us, I'm convinced. Now what do you think he'd think about what's going on today? Anyway, what I've done in this book, you know, just so you know, when you write a book, uh, you have to go back and read the whole thing. Because you write it in, in pieces. And you go back to read the whole thing, not just to edit it and make sure it flows, but to make sure it represents your thinking. And you know what's interesting? Most radio hosts and most TV hosts do not wear their emotions on their sleeve. They're pretty cold. They can be entertaining and so forth. I'm not talking about that. When you write a book, I mean when you write it, not when somebody else writes it or ghost writes it or researches it. When you, as the author, research and write the book from beginning to end, from the first word to the last word, it, it's your baby. It's your creation. It's not an essay. It's not an article. It's not a tweet. It's not a comment. It's a book. And you better have something intelligent to say or compelling to say or interesting to say. Or really good pictures of yourself, and then better make sure you're in good shape. Bad joke, but you get my point. And that's why I come to you behind this microphone or in front of a TV camera. As first and foremost, I guess, an author. It's the hardest thing I do. It's the hardest thing. And yet it's probably the most lasting thing I do. If I were to say to you, didn't you love my shows, Mr. Producer, in 2012? You'd say, what show? What did you say? When? What day? What are you talking about? Right? If I were to say, what did you think about liberty and tyranny? You'd have an opinion. One way or another, you'd have an opinion. I say here often, you're the Paul Revere's. You're going to decide what this country is going to be in the future. We cannot allow the media to do it. We cannot allow tenured academia to do it. We cannot allow the Democrat Party to do it. These entities and more have become enemies of Americanism, constitutionalism, and capitalism. And we are going to have to learn to be courageous in the words that we use and in our pushback. And my hope is, once you're done reading this book and you really understand, and I think you will, deeply, what's going on, not the superficial, and it's not even enough what I say behind a microphone or in front of a TV camera, when you really are able to, at your pace, digest it, you're going to say, holy blank. Where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? Look, you might say, I have my job, I take care of my family, I have to do this, but what can I do? Where do I sign up? 
And that's what we're going to discuss together and work out when we get to the end of this. I had a discussion, I think it was over the weekend, with family members, and I said, you know, every day, these American Marxists, whether they're in the media, whether they're professors, whether they're in Hollywood, whether they're in Congress, every day they wake up and try to figure out how to destroy us, destroy our way of life, destroy our unalienable rights, destroy our economic system. Every single day they're on the attack. This is what they live, this is what they breathe, this is what we eat. We don't do this. We live our lives. We try to care for our families, pay our taxes. We enjoy our freedom. They don't. And they are plotting 24-7. And we need to come to grips with this. We need to come to grips with this force has basically taken over the Democrat Party like an alien in a body. This force has basically taken over the American media and entertainment and academia. It's everywhere. We're not paranoid. We're smart. We see it. We hear it. We smell it. So we can't pretend otherwise, and we can't be cowed into ignoring it. Well, what are you, McCarthyites? No, what are you, Maoists? All right. And so that's the whole point of American Marxism. This probably is going to be the most important book I've ever written. Given our times, given our situation, given our circumstances. I don't write books about myself. Well, that's not true. The one book, Rescuing Sprite, wasn't really about me. It was about our family and our dogs. But I'm not writing books. Hey, look how great I am. Chris Matthews out there. He gets canned at MSNBC. And he writes a memoir about himself, Mr. Producer. I'm not writing a memoir about myself. Nobody gives a damn about that. Certainly nobody gives a damn about Chris Matthews' memoir either. Do they? I don't know. I don't think so. The purpose of this book is intended to, to fuse with the radio show, to fuse with Levin TV, to fuse with my Fox show. In other words, it's not one or the other. It's, it's a combination. Just a different platform. But a much more comprehensive and thorough uh, examination. Real time. All right, when we come back, I will continue with this virus issue, and I want to continue to give credit where credit is due. Again, there are many people who deserve credit, but this Nicholas Wade, it was his piece that blew up the whole subject finally. Do I owe you anything, Mr. Producer? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. 
through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Some of my TV colleagues in America have just realized that the, the sick irony of the Democrats and the history of the Democrat Party really is amazing. We've talked about this for how long? 20 years, Mr. Producer? The cancel culture, the fact that the Democrat Party, they'll pull down monuments, they'll burn books, they'll do this, they'll do that. But the Democrat Party, which is responsible for supporting slavery and the Confederacy and then joined with the Klan and all... That lasts. That survives at all, as I've said many, many times before. So the parrots are in on it now. They have figured it out. But I want to underscore a point. It would be one of the most unimaginable and shocking ironies if the federal department responsible for protecting us from pandemics may well have helped fund it. I think they're in full cover-up mode. I think they're in full cover-up mode. I think that's what's going on. I don't think there's any question. People want to talk around it. Excuse me. Hello. Hello. People want to talk around it. I'll just state it bluntly. And now the others can state it with full confidence. I really believe it. The media are no different. Media are no different from, from the others that have been spawned from American Marxism. Look who's in the media. Look at them. You got George Stephanopoulos. He's not a journalist. You got this guy Chuck Todd. He's not a journalist. He's also stupid, but he's not a journalist. Most of these so-called journalists aren't journalists anymore. The model that they follow, the model that they institute, is the same model that they practice on Capitol Hill among Democrats. Just look at the guests who they bring in, the propagandists that they bring in. Look at the narrative that they push. It's the same narrative. It's the same damn thing. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. This show is being monitored by friend and foe alike. The foes gearing up to do battle. I, I got it. And the friends, well, some are friends, 
who a day or two later regurgitate what you and I discuss here. I'm glad you're here. I don't want to regurgitate what anybody else has to say. But if somebody says something profound, I will acknowledge them. That's the way it works. You know, with the help of Stanley Kurtz, writing at National Review and elsewhere, I've tried to point out in radio and TV the plans and the plotting that are going on to destroy the American suburb. You see, this is typical. For the American Marxist, they'll destroy their own states, and then they'll move to other states. Now, they won't change. They'll just change their location. So you see what happens as these blue states fail. With massive increases in crime, massive increases in taxes, attacks on individual liberty, and making life just plain miserable and difficult. The Democrats vote Democrat because, as my wife likes to say, that's their religion. They may go to a synagogue, they may go to a church, they may go to a mosque, but their real religion, their everyday religion, is their party identity. And by the way, they have that in common with Marxists too. Parties first. And that's why the Democrat Party has had to change. It has to accommodate this ideology. It is the vessel through which they attack from within. Now that said, there are other vessels too. But what happens is, in the cities, most of the cities are failing. They're failing their, their populations. Whether it's schooling, economic development, uh, security and safety. Most cities are failing. And what you'll hear the Democrats say is, we need more money. Ladies and gentlemen, they've had an enormous amount of money that's been redistributed from one part of a country or another into our inner cities. It's not money. It's policy. The Democrat Party will never come to grips with this. And I wrote about this just as a side point in Ameritopia. You see, the problem isn't them. The problem isn't a particular mayor or governor or city council. The problem isn't their policies. The problem is, well, they just haven't had a chance to fully implement their ideology. If they could only fully implement their ideology, that is, if they could just control everything with an iron fist, they could fix these things. But these people get in the way. People who believe in the Bill of Rights, like the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Fourth, the Fifth, these people, they get in the way. The Constitution gets in the way. If only we had more power. If only they would, they would abandon their liberty, abandon their private property, in other words, Rousseau and Hegel and Marx, another side point, for the betterment of the, of the uh, community. We would achieve great things. And so they never stop. The revolution must go on. And they have to have boogeymen. And many of you are the boogeymen. 
You know, we'd have tremendous progress, but for the fact that we have all these white supremacists all over the place. I don't know. Do we have a lot of white supremacists in the inner city? I'm just curious. Do we, Mr. Producer? We have a lot of white supremacists on city councils. Do we have a lot of white supremacists who are mayors and judges, school administrators? I don't think so. If we could just end white supremacy, well, what are you talking about? Neo-Nazis and Klansmen? No, we're talking about all you white people. Well, what if some aren't white? What if some are Latino and Asian? What if some are black? Or what if some are Middle Eastern or from India? What? Well, if they think like a white person, and if they want to be successful in the capitalist, imperialist, colonialist America, ready for this? Then their minds have been colonized. They are colonized whites. This is the phrase they use. Excuse me? Right. If you're not down for the Marxist revolution, you're one of them. Doesn't matter what color you are now. Oh. All these circular arguments, you see. And so what happens is these cities need to broaden out. The Democrat Party lives basically in the cities. Obviously with some exceptions. But the Democrat Party lives in the cities. Look, Mr. Producer, look who's on Fox. Kevin McCarthy. And, um, but it's not enough. It's just like H.R. 1 or S. 1 we got to change the voting system to make sure we win all the time. Otherwise, look, we don't want competition. We don't want debate, the First Amendment. We don't, we don't want economic competition. We don't win. No, no, no. We want our way because only our way is righteous. Remember, as my wife said, this is their religion. You can't practice religion if people are interfering with you. And this is the religion. They're fanatics. They're zealots. Some of them are more aggressive about it and outward about it. Some it's just in between their their ears, but nonetheless. And so the suburbs are a target. We talked about this before the election. I did a number of shows on radio and TV on this. President of the United States, Donald Trump, talked about it. And still, there are fools in the suburbs who vote Democrat. Well, now there's a piece in the Washington Times by Barnini... Chabra Borti, if I mispronounce the name, I apologize. A house with a white picket fence and a big backyard might have been a staple of the American dream once upon a time. But if the Biden administration gets its way, the dream could soon be out of reach for millions of people. But don't worry, Joe's standing out for the little guy. Lunch bucket Joe. As part of his $2.3 trillion infrastructure plan, the Biden administration is pushing local governments to allow apartment buildings in neighborhoods that are restricted to single-family homes. The administration claims it's a way to ease a national affordable housing shortage and combat racial injustice in the housing market. Your schools... Your zoning in neighborhoods? Current zoning laws that favor single-family homes known as exclusionary zoning 
have disproportionately hurt low-income people who can't afford to move to the suburbs, the administration said. Their only choice is to is living in crowded apartment buildings. So they should live in crowded apartment buildings in the suburbs, you see. And they, uh, they control zoning by awarding grants and tax credits to cities that change their zoning regulations. And that, of course, will not be the only way. They will take out the baseball bat and hit these communities over the proverbial head. While the proposal has had some bipartisan support on Capitol Hill, not everybody's on board. Critics claim the federal government's plan would change the landscape of towns and cities across the country and torpedo the American dream. Let's step back and take a little bit of a broader look. Notice all these decisions they want to centralize. They want to take them out of the hands of villages and townships and counties and make all these decisions in Washington, D.C. And of course, you realize this is exactly the opposite of how America was founded. Of course, it was found by white supremacists, so we understand that. But I spoke earlier of Alexis de Tocqueville, and he writes beautifully and extensively about one of the tremendous strengths of the American system. It's all these different communities. They're all out there and so forth, so they barely even realize that Washington exists. Well, that's the opposite today, isn't it? So politicians and bureaucrats who live and work in and around Washington, D.C. will determine what's best. For communities in Montana and Wyoming and Alaska and Hawaii. Even communities in California and Florida. Communities in Kansas and Oklahoma. They have no connection whatsoever to these neighborhoods, to families. But it won't matter, you see. That's of no consequence. The Biden plan's backers are hypocrites, writes former Lieutenant Governor Betsy McCauley. Biden himself owns a four-acre lakefront home in upscale Greenville, Delaware, where there's absolutely no public housing, affordable housing, or rentals that accept housing vouchers and don't expect any to be built next door to the Bidens or the Clintons or the Obamas or the Pelosi's or the Gores or any of the rest of them. She added, Biden has always had a passion for stately homes and swanky addresses, even buying a 10,000-square-foot mansion that once belonged to the DuPont family, the 19th-century gunpowder wealth, not exactly the sort of housing setup you'd associate with Lunch Bucket Scranton Joe. Oh, that's right. So they're now trying the carrot of dangling tens of millions, billions, in front of cash-strapped local governments in order to pressure them to change. It's like the mob. It's also like the communist Chinese, what they're doing in Africa and Central and South America. I live in Irving, Texas, or as the leftists in Biden's administration would call it, Spraw, said Representative Beth Van Dunn, a Texas Republican. If you live in a home that dares to have a yard, tree, space between you and a neighbor and you work hard to pay a mortgage, you're likely a target. Now, she was the mayor of Irvine, Texas, from 2011 to 2017. And he added that exclusionary zoning is nothing more than a smokescreen to eliminate single-family zoning and break the suburbs. I've been talking about this for years. Stanley Kurtz has been doing a tremendous job writing and talking about it long before me. 
President Trump brought it up. Oh, you're a racist. Yeah, you're, you're racist. And here they're doing it. They're doing it. Biden's desire to eliminate single-family zoning is for one reason, to destroy our suburban neighborhoods as we know them, Van Dunn told the Washington Examiner. I'm sorry, it was the Washington Examiner. So they're using this Trojan horse of an infrastructure bill to re-image our communities. Zoning laws were relatively rare in the U.S. until a 1917 Supreme Court decision struck down laws designed to block, to block black people from buying homes and property in white neighborhoods. The decision prompted local governments to adopt various rules that set minimum lot sizes and prevented building apartment complexes and single-family homes. Some of the urban areas with the tightest restrictions in place include coastal cities, New York, San Francisco, and so forth. While some states haven't budged in decades when it comes to deregulations, others are taking a different approach, and it goes on. So basically, having devoured so much of our society and culture, now they want to devour the suburbs. And we've had people on this program from Westchester, New York, the former executive in charge of Westchester, New York, Castorino, who explained exactly what took place, even in areas of the suburbs which are heavily mixed and diverse. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The goal here, ladies and gentlemen, is to suck the suburbs of their resources. To use whatever excuse they have to. Local government is quaint, you see. It gets in the way. We got plans, baby. We got big plans, not just national plans. International plans. As the co-founders of Black Lives Matter said, we're transnational. You mean this national stuff. Obama thinks, we're transnational. We're citizens of the world. We got a lot to do here. We can't let these, these stupid morons that run these little towns and these suburbs get in our way. We need to swallow them up. And that's what Joe Biden is doing. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know, we don't have many lines of defense left, really. When you consider that we don't control our public schools today. The teachers unions do. 
And those two unions are, in my view, uh, they're spawned from Marxism. Look at their agendas. Landmark Legal Foundation, now headed by my buddy Pete Hutchison, but I was president at one point, we litigated against them. We brought a number of complaints to the Internal Revenue Service against the NEA in particular and their political activity. Most school boards are horrific. I know I was on one and the votes were constantly 8 to 1 and 7 to 2. Me and my buddy Bob Selleck, we were in the uh, minority. Uh, when you uh, when you look at what takes place in the classrooms and so forth, when you look at the at the measurement of, of accomplishment and so forth, it's on the decline. It's on the decline. When they control education, when they control economic activity, which is where we're headed. But now, if they control your local communities by nationalizing the zoning decisions through the back door where foolish city council members or supervisors or whatever whatever you have or whatever you call them surrender your liberty, in effect, for a few dollars. And by the way, there will be Democrats, radical Democrats on these various local governing bodies who will do so willingly because they want the federal government to take over these communities. It's really, uh, it's really shocking. And so really, this is one of the last lines of defense. Federalism, and what I call mini-federalism. Beyond states, all the communities within the states. Mini-federalism. Where they exercise self-government. Where decisions are made at the, at the local level. This was always understood to be a major principle of the American system. You making decisions for your own families, that's under attack. You deciding what you want your children to know about this country and so forth, that's under attack. Your faith is under attack because the bigger the federal Leviathan gets, the more your faith is excluded, certainly from the public square. By the way, that was one of the early undoings of our system, too. All right. The theoretical, nope. The philosophical, nope. This is reality. I'll be right back. We're reaching a point, ladies and gentlemen, where even some of my colleagues and friends, these radio and TV, they're becoming repetitive and surface level in their discussion of critical race theory. And it's good that it's being discussed. And it's good that there's some repetition out there. But this is unfortunately the nature of our beast in conservative media. We don't take it to the next level. We don't go the next step, which is what needs to be done, which is what I try to do. And it would be better if we could all do it. That is all my colleagues, but some do and most won't. I don't quite understand it. I don't quite understand it. I don't know, but, uh, but we have to deal with it. And so we get a lot of repetition, again, which is good in the sense that it spreads the word, but we've got to take it to another level. It's, it's one thing to, to hit it at a surface level, then what? I'm just pointing things out that cross my mind with you. 
Joe Biden misspoke. Well, he always misspeaks, but he misspoke in an interesting way. Then he tried to recover. Let's listen to this uh, at the White House yesterday. Cut one, go. You know, we were elected to be president and vice president for all Americans. No, 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 that's not true. You call over 60% of the American people white supremacists. And then you say you're elected to represent all the people. What the hell is going on in your head that's jingling around in there where you can't even make any sense? What is it? It's over 60% of the country populated by white supremacists. And I'm not even talking about the Klan and neo-Nazis. If you understand, and you do, real critical race theory, it's a white-dominated society. We can't help it. It's the way it is. It's in our DNA as a nation. And he uses the language of the Marxist. So if we are systemically racist as a nation, a white-dominated society, what does he mean he was elected to represent all of us when he trashes over 60% of the people in this country? Go ahead. I don't want to see the country that is already too divided become divided in a new way between places where people live free from fear of COVID and places where when the fall arrives, death and severe illnesses return. The vaccine is free, it's safe, and it's effective. Getting the vaccine is not a partisan act. The science was done under Democratic and Republican administrations. Matter of fact, the first vaccines were authorized under a Republican president and widely developed by a Democratic president, deployed by a Democratic president. Wow. You know, somebody's going to get fired now, Mr. Producer. Matter of fact, (coughs) the first vaccines were authorized under Republican president. No, it's called Warp Speed, and the president's name was Donald J. Trump. And they weren't just authorized. They were invented, developed. The distribution system was invented and developed by President Trump and his team. His team. Does anybody even know who's part of the Biden team when it comes to the vaccination process? Anybody have any idea what the team is? Of course not. There's not a team. It was all laid out for him. Now he's, he's got, well, now we have the Biden, the Biden ideas are really starting to pop now, Mr. Producer, aren't they? The Biden ideas, hey, get a vaccine, we'll buy you a beer. Who is this city? Biden. Oh, okay. So now everybody can drive home drunk after they've had the vaccine. Yeah, that's right. Get a vaccine and you can have a beer. You know, one of the reasons... There are people in this country who don't want to take the vaccine. And I don't care if you do or you don't. I've been vaccinated, so I'm protected. That's the way I look at it. Well, Mark, the people who aren't vaccinated, well, they can't hurt me. I said I'm vaccinated. Well, don't you care about other people, too? Well, some people have already had this virus, and they don't need a vaccination. Okay. And what about the people who haven't been vaccinated and haven't had this virus? They can still carry it. Okay, it's called herd immunity. It's not the first time, folks. You're not required to get a flu shot. 
You're not required to get all kinds of shots. But I'm not one of these hosts who's going to obsess over this and focus on it day in and day out and day in and day out. Do whatever you want. All right. One of the reasons, particularly among Democrats in certain communities, that they aren't getting vaccinated is because Kamala Harris and Joe Biden trashed the whole vaccine process when Donald Trump was president of the United States. Remember that? They laid the foundation for the quote-unquote anti-vaxxers. They laid the foundation. Then look at them. Now let's listen to Joe Scarborough. I don't normally recommend this, certainly not on a full stomach, but never really. But he apparently said something that was coherent. Now when Joe Scarborough says something coherent, that's, uh, that, that, that's a rarity. I mean, his coherent uh, meter is worse than Biden's. Let's take a listen. Cut to go. I also uh, heard yesterday Joe Biden say something we've been talking about for a couple of weeks here, which is, hey, Republicans, you have a reason to embrace this. It was a Republican administration that made the right bets, did the things right that the EU did wrong. There's a place to There's go. There's a reason why. And, and so I think it's great that the White House is saying your guy, Donald Trump, and the administration made some really smart bets. And they did. They did a lot of things wrong. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody take a deep breath. Yes, yes. Listen, I don't want to hurt my ratings, particularly among the North Korean generals, who uh, we have apparently 100% support from the North Korean generals. Uh, yes, yes, yes. They made some mistakes. Yes, yes, yes. Don't, of course, uh, uh, Cuomo, the great governor, he didn't make mistakes. Nobody made What mistakes did Trump make? I'm just curious. What were the mistakes, Mr. Producer? Seriously, what are they talking about? And Fauci, of course, did he make mistakes? And let me ask you this, was Joe Scarborough inquisitive at all, curious at all, about the source of this fight? Not in the least. He's a political hack. He's looking to assign blame to Trump, and so he's not, he's not interested in actual facts at all. All right, I'll be right back. Mark. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. 
something I want to touch on. What is going on in Israel? What is going on in Israel? I'm going to tell you what's going on in Israel. You have a cabal of these tiny, teeny-weeny political parties. Some have received 5% of the vote or what have you. That are trying to take out Benjamin Netanyahu. Some of these parties are led by saboteurs who were formerly of the Likud party, which is Netanyahu's party, who are anxious to get big cabinet jobs or to even become prime minister. It is a grotesque, grotesque uh, display. And there's an excellent piece written by Daniel Elbaum, and he says, the end of democracy in Israel as we know it. Now, the key player here is Naftali Bennett. Naftali Bennett once served as Netanyahu's chief of staff. He's in his 40s. He's been chomping at the bit, believe it or not, for a decade to be prime minister. The problem is he doesn't have the support of the Israeli people. So he's trying to cut deals with the left and the far left, and even some of the Arab parties. He's lied to the electorate of Israel. He ran to the right of Netanyahu and attacked Netanyahu from the right. But there's more. Putting Naftali Bennett at the helm will mark the first time in the history of democracies that someone with less than 5% voter support is made prime minister. 5%. You need 120, you have 120 Knesset members, it's a parliament. So you need 61 members to choose the prime minister. Naftali Bennett, including himself, has seven. Head of the Yamina party, Naftali Bennett, is his name. Since regaining independence more than 70 years ago, Israel's strongest strategic asset has been the fact that it's the only true democracy in the Middle East. Small state, surrounded by enemies, defended by a mighty military, a free market economy, driven by cutting-edge technological innovations, balanced by an unwritten constitution upheld by the rule of law, separation of powers, and a once highly respected Supreme Court. No longer it's gone rogue and hard left. Israel's democracy demonstrated common values and a strong partnership with the United States and other leading democracies, while serving as a stronghold of freedom in a region of tyranny. That strategic asset will be lost. Should the Knesset appoint a person who enjoys the support of less than 5% of the voters to be Israel's next prime minister. No prime minister in Israel has ever entered office with less than 26 seats in the Knesset, which is less than a quarter of the 120 seats in parliament. The one with 26, Ehud Barak, lasted a year and a half in office and is considered to have been a colossal failure. Now, for the first time in Israel's history, the mandate to form a government is in the hands of someone with 17 seats, Lapid, who's a leftist, who in turn is offering to appoint a prime minister with six mandates. I was wrong, not seven. Bennett. That is a prime minister who barely received 280,000 votes, most of whom already regret it. And not so long ago, such a scenario would be difficult to fathom. Appointing a prime minister, they call them mandates, but that's seats. Appointing a prime minister with six mandates... One-fifth the size of Netanyahu's party will go down as the most anti-democratic political ploy ever carried out in Israel, perhaps in any democracy. It'll be the first time in the history of democracies 
that someone with less than 5% voter support is sworn into office. This six mandate, six seats, this six mandate stunt is being trumpeted by mainstream media in Israel, which in doing so is cutting off the third leg of democracy. The same media that warned about Israel's unstable democracy under Netanyahu is now showing that hypocrisy has no limits. The political ploy will probably end shortly after Netanyahu's tenure ends. It will be followed by yet another round of elections. But that damage to Israel's democracy will be irreversible. Naftali Bennett sees the unpleasant polls every morning, sometimes twice a day. But he's convinced that once he holds the prime minister post, his standing will strengthen. Nonsense. The closer Bennett comes to forming a government, the more he distances himself for the legitimacy he yearns. Despite his pleas, the left will never accept him, and the right will never forgive him. He will be considered the Benedict Arnold. Isn't that funny? I called him that a couple of weeks ago, Mr. Producer. He will be considered the Benedict Arnold of Israeli politics, even if he signs multiple peace agreements. Politicians lie. That's a fact of life, much like death and taxes. Noteworthy examples include Franklin Roosevelt telling American voters in 1940 that, quote, your boys are not going to be sent into any foreign wars shortly before uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor. And he points out George H.W. Bush, read my lips, no new taxes. But Bennett's campaign lies are of an altogether different scale and weight, not only because he categorically pledged on the eve of the elections that he would not under any circumstances form a government with the left and the ultra-left, but because his political treacheries now jeopardize Israel's democracy and possibly its existence as we know it. In a misleading moment of ostensible candor prior to the elections, Bennett vehemently proclaimed that a candidate with ten mandates cannot be prime minister. He has six. We have efforts of coup in our own country, and now you see a coup taking place in the state of Israel. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. I am Mark Levin. We're going to get to some calls soon. 877-381-3811. Friends, family, foes are all reminding me that F. Lee Bailey passed away. Oh, I didn't know F. Lee Bailey. Certainly knew of him. He was a famed lawyer. Was considered a great lawyer up to a point, And then later, not so much. Of course, he was one of the lawyers for O.J. Simpson. As well as other very controversial figures including Captain Ernest Medina, charged in connection with the My Lai Massacre during the Vietnam War, among others. Damn that computer. 
What can I tell you? But here's the thing. When I first got to know Rush Limbaugh, it was through his staff person, Cookie, or Catherine Gleason. And she would, you know, pull together the various uh, audio for Rush. Extraordinarily capable and loyal lady. I got to know and adore. And I would send in things unsolicited early on to Rush from a legal perspective, from a constitutional perspective, if things came up and so forth. I think it started in the mid-1990s, if I remember correctly. And uh, one day, because he was extraordinarily appreciative, he announced out of the blue that I was the director of his legal division. Of course, this is the brilliance of Rush Limbaugh and radio in the mind. There was no legal division. But I was now the director of the legal division, and he gave me a name. F. Lee Levin. Obviously a knockoff on, <coughs> excuse me, on F. Lee Bailey. And Rush was hilarious. He had this tremendous sense of humor. This is the sort of thing he would do. Even today, people will say to me, how are you doing, F. Lee? And then he changed it, I mean... Not formally, it was F. Lee Levin, but he would call me Flea now and then. F-L-E-E. And uh, I know, when you get old, you say things, those were the good old days. But those really were the good old days. Really were. So, you know, when you get older, you see people pass. Then you have memories, and you really do a lot of thinking. And uh, so F. Lee Bailey has passed. I was named F. Lee Levin after F. Lee Bailey. <laughs> and of course, the great Rush Limbaugh, my dear, dear friend, he's passed too. Which, by the way, I often think about. Often. Often think about it. In this context, number one, as a dear friend for so many years Um, you know there were times over the years when he and I we would text till 2 or 3 in the morning email first didn't do a lot of text and then text but mostly email he was constantly constantly doing work although he didn't consider work neither do I for his radio show he was constantly online. Friends and family would write him all the time. Incredibly generous man. And um, so that's where F. Lee Levin comes from, F. Lee Bailey. So F. Lee Bailey has passed today. He was actually 87. I thought he was older than that, to tell you the truth. But apparently not. 87 years old. Famed criminal attorney, F. Lee Levin. Excuse me. (laughs) No, I'm still here. Hello, everybody. It's me. No, F. Lee Bailey. There is uh, 
me see here. There's an article. Do we have callers, Mr. Producer? I'm sick of reading these damn articles, as a matter of fact. All right, let me get in here, folks. I'm just tired of the news. I'm sick and tired of it. I want to see what you folks are thinking, what you folks are up to. Why don't you give me one caller, Mr. Producer, as I work my way into the call screen here. Chantilly, Virginia, Chris, on the great WMAL home of Bill Hess, the master of all things over there. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, Mark. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I just wanted to make two points, and I think uh, they will be informative to you because it's always good to learn something new. Mm. So, number one, I understand that you've taken the vaccine, but let me add this truth, however valid it may or may not be. For example... Oh, well, Mr. Call Screener, am I getting into debate on vaccines here? I- I'm not interested. Call another show. Thank you, though. I said do what you want to do. I don't want vaccine calls, Rich. Do whatever you want to do. If you don't want it, great. If you do, great. If you want to do 17 of them, go ahead. It's, it's not a topic that interests me. There are hosts that will spend days on end. It's just not a topic that interests me. I'm sorry. Let's continue. Let's go to Gerald, Simi Valley, California. Listening on the great uh, KRLA, where we are live and national. Go right ahead. I wanted to thank you for taking my call. It has to do with the change of single-family dwellings to uh, high-density multifamily dwellings. We live in Simi. We've been here 38 years. We were the number one or number two safest city in the state for years. They have started building high-density, low-income homes here, and we now have crime People are getting their catalytic converters cut off. They're getting their homes broken into. Well, obviously, you're a white supremacist. Coming in. You're obviously a white supremacist, sir. It it must be. It's very sad. And the unfortunate part here is Mike Garcia, who's our councilman who took over the seat after Katie Hill got bumped out. He's the congressman now. Yep. One by 333 votes. Mm-hmm. And they have loaded this place up with hundreds, if not thousands, of people that are now committing crimes who we assume are here for purposes other than benefiting our city. What you're saying is they're, they're making demographic changes in order to elect a Democrat. Is that what you're trying to say? Sure. Mm-hmm. They also redistrict us. Well, sir, how dare you say such a thing? The Democrats never do anything like that. They're not interested in power. They're not, they're not racist. They're not bigots. They're not trying to do things that way. They're earnest. They redistrict Simi Valley that used to be connected to Thousand Oaks, Westlake, and Oxnard. And they said, you know what? You really should be connected to Lancaster and Palmdale, which is 70 miles away from us. Mm-hmm. And that's how Katie Hill got in. So they redistricted it. They have now put in high-density, low-income housing. And in 2022, Mike Garcia is going to be lucky to be reelected. And the reason is we haven't heard a peep out of him, haven't heard any complaints, haven't heard him on TV, haven't heard him on the radio. He's been like a phantom ghost. Well, certainly, are you voting for him? You're certainly not making the case for him. 
Well, I'm telling you, it's better than Katie Hill. But mm-hmm. I've called Mike's office. I've asked him to step up to the line. Uh, mm-hmm. You call his people. They have no idea what's going on. It's very disappointing. Well, and this is how they knock off one district after another. Look, to understand the Democrat, and you'll see the howling by their surrogates, their, uh, their phony front groups like Media Matters, uh, their uh, phony media types, uh, who will say, what, what are you trying to say? We're not trying to say anything. We're observing what's taking place. Oh, yeah. We're observing what's taking place. And this is what the rest of the country can look forward to. When you vote for these Democrats now, you have to understand you're voting for uh, entities that have been spawned by Marxism. This is the idea, the centralization of power, power in the party, changing the demographics, changing the, uh, the zoning systems, centralizing power, destroying uh, what I call, as, you, as I said, mini-federalism, where towns and so forth are responsible for their own uh, communities. And that's exactly what's happening. Thank yep. you for your call. So you have fools all over this country who live in the suburbs, who vote for this party, Democrat Party. They don't care. This is all they know. This is all they... Oh, did you see Donald Trump's tweet? Tweet, you idiot! Do you understand what the other party's trying to do? Let us continue, shall we? Let's go to Reg. East Hampton, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hi, Mark. It's always a pleasure. Uh, In regard to what that gentleman was saying, uh, Julian Castro, when he was the head of HUD, uh, laid it out in one sentence. He said, and it's on tape uh, in in a public speech he made, uh, the the suburbs are too white and too wealthy, and we're going to fix that or change all that. I forget the exact words. But those are his exact words. It all stems from the agenda. Did you say Fidel or Julian Castro? Julian Castro. Julian, okay. The, 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 yeah, the guy when he was the head of HUD, I think he was right after Cuomo. No, I know. Go ahead. So, the, 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 by the way, Mark, can I make an aside? Mm-hmm. I think I know where you would fit in the pantheon of the founders. Oh, You're a really? cross between Samuel Adams and Patrick Henry, except you also have a law degree. So, uh, uh, you know, it's... Uh, well, let, let me I, say, that's good company. You're awfully nice. We'll never know, will we? In fact, I think you should take up pamphleteering like they did. I'm trying. That's the whole point of American Marxism. I've, I've said many times I was born in the wrong time. But maybe not. Maybe Andrew, we'll maybe a, maybe we'll fight back. I want to thank you for your excellent call, my friend. Thank you. That's the whole point of American Marxism. Sam Adams, Patrick Henry. Yes. We shall see. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. 
And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I say let's dive into the gene pool. What do you say? Dale, Cuyahoga, Ohio, Sirius Satellite, how are you? Mr. Levin, I'm, first of all, I'm very honored and also very nervous. Don't be nervous. <laughs> and and I, I absolutely appreciate you taking my call. And just a little while ago, you had mentioned Israel. And I have to tell you, sir, I have recorded Life, Liberty, and Levin with an interview you did with B.B. Netanyahu. Yeah. And I still watch it. Every now and then, and every time I do it, it still brings me to a few tears. He, he, is, he this, is a historic leader. Worldwide, he's a historic leader, which is why Bernie Sanders hates him. AOC and that whole mob hate him. And the left worldwide and his own media want to take him out because he is a historic leader. They did the same thing to Churchill. They did the same thing to Trump. They tried to do the same thing with Iran-Contra and Reagan. This is what happens to great leaders. When I watched his expressions on his face and listened to his voice, you could hear that this is a man who cares nothing more than the people and his country. Mm-hmm. And I wish the heck we had somebody like that in the Oval Office. Today. No, no, you're, you're so right. And you can tell Biden cares about his party and his legacy and doesn't give a you-know-what about the country. Uh, uh, Mr. Levin, I'm not sure where Mr. Biden knows where he's at these days. Mm. And I think he knows more than people think, really. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. Uh, this is supposed to be our president, and I'm not quite sure who's running the country right now, but I guarantee you it's not the guy sitting in the White House signing executive orders. He's got a lot of people telling him what to do, no question, but he wants to be told what to do. He made these appointments. And uh, I think this, this Ronald Klain, who is his chief of staff, who you don't hear from, you don't see, who's been in around Washington a very long time, like Biden has, who's been working very hard with the, uh, with the Marxists within their party, uh, I think he is clearly uh, one of these Svengalis. I think he's one of those Svengalis. Dale, thank you for your call, my friend. We shall move on. Or as Marvin likes to say on GSN, Mr. Producer, likes to say, we're moving and grooving. Did you know that? We're moving and grooving? Alex, Mr. Producer has no idea what I'm talking about. Alex, New York City, the great WABC. Go ahead. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? All right, my friend. Um, I wanted to say that If, in fact, it comes out that this virus was produced in the Chinese laboratory and then China let this virus, you know, go around to the rest of the world because they didn't want to be the only boat sinking, then we shouldn't be owing the Chinese. And by by the way, this is a great point. You know, President Trump has said, I don't think they did it on purpose. I think it was an accident, but that it came out of that lab. And you just made an excellent point, which is they figure if they're going to go down, let everybody else go down and we'll keep our mouths shut. 
Absolutely, because they want to be the power of the world. But then we shouldn't be owing them any money at all, not because this virus costs us trillions of dollars. It costs us only billions of dollars, but because it it it, it killed hundreds of thousands of people in this mm-hmm. country. And those lives are worth a lot more than the 20 or whatever trillions of dollars that we owe them. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, we need a strong leader to stand up to the Chinese communist regime and tell them. Oh, we don't have one. You back. We have a sucker whose family appears to be on the payroll, or certainly was on the payroll, that's what we have. This is what the American people, well, some American people wanted. This, yeah. is, who, this is who the president is. And you know, Vladimir Putin is taking very, very provocative and aggressive actions with his military now. The communist Chinese, their spokes idiot, who uh, is, is one of their head propagandists, is out there literally threatening nuclear war with the United States. Did you know that? He did it yesterday. I didn't. He did it. We need to have more long-range nuclear missiles, and that way, I'm paraphrasing, uh, and that way the United States will, uh, will be a little bit more careful in dealing with us and have a little bit more respect for, you know, for us and so forth. They would never say that to a Donald Trump. Right. And, and Mark, Dr. Fauci, he's now writing a book. I think it's like the best. He already wrote it. To write a book right now. Can you, you believe it? these guys? You're in the middle of a pandemic or, and you're writing a book? First of all, where did he have time to write it? He's, he's too busy in the media and too busy, apparently. They have thousands and thousands of emails over the last year. I mean, that's a lot of emails. All right, my friend. Alex, great call. I appreciate it. It, it, it troubles me that Nicholas Wade, look, I'm no special pleader for Nicholas Wade, but this guy had the guts to study this issue for a year, wrote a long piece. It was published on May 4th in a, in a uh, scientific magazine. And all these people are running around like, oh, I said it first and I said it. Who cares if you said it first? This guy put the meat on the bone. That has made it possible for other people to plagiarize what he found out and what he's written. And that's why you're hearing everybody now talk about this. Not because of me, because of him. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Hello, America. It is I. And that is the correct English, by the way. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? I. That is, I am here. I, not me, is here. 
By the way, I always watch these shows, not to be too much of a stickler, and people will say things like, where are you at? Don't you say that sometimes, Rich? Where are you at? Well, you know that's not correct, right? It's where are you, not where are you at. Huh? You're from the Bronx. All right. I'm from Philadelphia. So what? Man, I could be on all these shows. I just can't. I don't have time to do all these shows. Plus, I'm focused on what I'm responsible for doing. You get my drift? Oh, yeah. By the way, don't forget our podcast. My wife informed me the other day she mostly listens to the show on the podcast. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Because she's a runner. You know, when we first met, she's a runner. She's an athlete. She's a marathon runner. She's a long-distance runner. And she's damn good at it. Me, I'm not a runner. She runs further than I drive my car. And I said, you know, I don't run. And she laughed, and she said, really? I think that's quite obvious. Well, anyway, there you have it. All right, let's take a call, shall we? I think we shall. Roshad! Clinton, Maryland, the great WMAL. How are you, my friend? How are you doing, Denali? Oh, uh, there you are. I remember you. I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm just fine. I wanted to thank you for the books you sent me. Great reads. Thank you. And, man, it's just, it's just been so much. I can't wait to get the, the new copy of American Marxism. Thank but you. But I just want, I had, like, two questions. Yes, sir. I wish that... More African-American males, such as myself, would take the time and just listen to you. Mm-hmm. Not not look at the color, mm-hmm. not look at anything else, just listen to what you are telling us. Mm-hmm. And I've been listening to you about seven years. Thank you. And they, they won't even take the time to look at the crisis at the border. It's people flooding our borders, mm-hmm. don't know the language, we don't know if they're criminals, they're not tested for HIV, COVID, and they're being released into our streets. This is a dangerous situation. And Mm. these so-called black leaders, I wish on a neutral platform, the Farrakhan, the Al Sharptons, the Ben Crumps, they would debate you. But you know what? They will not come at you because, Denali, you are on everything. And and, and it's it's disheartening to me that they talk about Black Lives Matter, but I'm more scared of another black man than I am of any other Mm. race. And I'm 41 years old, and it's disheartening. Yeah. And the Democrats have these cities. I don't live too far from Baltimore, Washington, D.C., even Richmond, where the murder rate is so high in these Democratic-run places, but they have blacks so brainwashed that they won't even look at that. Mm. It's disheartening. You know what, though? I mean, you... Uh... You, you keep spreading the word among friends, among associates and family and so forth. Uh, just keep spreading the word. Just do everything you can do. And you're exactly right. I mean, it's very counterintuitive when you look at the one-party rule in these cities and how poor so many of the cities are and how uh, dangerous so many of the cities are and how most of the victims are black and most of the perpetrators are black. And you would think at some point somebody's going to say, well, who's in charge of this damn city? But, you know, we have a media problem. We have an education problem because they control with an iron fist the the public schools. They will not allow school choice. It's all, again, it's about power. It's about the Democrat Party. And then when you hear Joe Biden 
who's the only man that I know on the national scene who actually threw in with the racists and segregationists early in his career as a senator, threw in with the segregationists. When you hear him, how he again is trying to stir the pot and lies and uses race and racism again to try and get people to turn against each other, this is all about the Democrat Party and what it's become, and it's all about this radical, hardcore ideology that they're pushing. Black Lives Matter is brilliant in this sense. They've taken the name black, the word lives, and the idea that they matter, which of course they do, and they have incorporated incorporated it into their name and their Marxist ideology. So when you say, I can't support Black Lives Matter, people are, what are you talking about? No, no, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about that organization. And this is how the hardcore left works, with the language, with the propaganda, uh, with, the, with the demagogues who lead the way, and it is tough to break down that wall. But look, I'm guessing, Roshad, you weren't born a Republican, were you? Well, no, sir. You start to read, you start to think, you start to engage, you look around, and you say, what the hell's going on? And that's important. I'm saying one more thing. Yes, sir. And me, as a black male trying to get other black males to look at it, it's like I'm ostracized. Like I'm Mm. taking a side. No, I'm taking the right side. And it's kind of hard when people when people just won't be open minded they had so much the democrats have made a made blacks con, concrete think, have a concrete thinking it's only one way and and, and that's it's saddening and i hope it changed i feel bad whole, for you I, man, I, I i feel bad for you. i become friendly with a with a fella i i would mention his name but i don't know if i'm free to and he he did a little time in prison he's very embarrassed about it but he is a man of faith. He's a listener to this program. I've sent him some books. He's a great citizen now. And, he's, and, he, and he, he thinks and talks like a man who believes in liberty, like you, like me, and so forth. He's been on the other side. And now he's on this side. He goes, wait a minute. And uh, it... it, it heartens me it 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 makes and you know when i get a call from you or i get a call from other people who say i was a liberal i was a democrat i'm in this community i'm in that community but that's the best we can do and roshad i understand how upsetting it is i really do i'm not exactly in the majority in my faith you know right but it's actually harder for it's it's actually harder for african-americans quite frankly and latinos uh, and I'm not talking about the Cuban community per se, but other Latino communities, but particularly African-Americans, it's much harder because the numbers are much more bleak. You're talking 90%, 87%, something like that. And you're looking at so-called leaders in the African-American or black community, and they're not really leaders. They're Democrats who stir the pot, pot for power. So I, I understand it's very it's 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 very upsetting, but hang in there, okay? All right, and thank you, Mark. It's always a pleasure. And God bless you. You're a good man. I really appreciate it. Good guy. Great guy. Let's continue. Well I can't. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let us continue. Deanna, Helena, Montana, XM Satellite. See how big this show is? We go from Montana to the Bronx. We go from... It's unbelievable. Deanna, how are you? Hi, how are you, Mark? I'm very well, thank you. It's Anna. Anna? Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, Anna. That's okay, no problem. Um, I I just wanted to tell you that I've been listening to your show for a little bit. I'm kind of new at this, and uh-huh. I just want to say I did order your book. I'm really oh, interested you. to find out what you got in that book. Thank you. And the, the question is... No photos. I hate to tell... Well, that's not true either. There's a photo of Barney at the very end. I lost Barney. It's something I haven't actually gotten over yet, but he's in the back of the book. Anyway, go ahead. I um, I got an email a while back about Fauci funding Wuhan. Um, it is so disturbing. I don't understand why he would do anything like that or whoever actually did it. Apparently, there's a whole shadowy operation out there where this has been going on for years, enormous amounts of money, labs all over the country and all over the world, where they do this kind of so-called scientific research because they want to find cures for it. But the problem is, if you create a problem, I mean... You could have a pandemic, and I feel that's exactly what happened here, that there was a leak. Something happened. I mean, the communist Chinese won't let anybody get any information. You would think if there wasn't a leak, they'd say, hey, come on and take a look. You can go see the wet market they point to. It's happened over there, over there, over there. No, it didn't. There's absolutely no evidence whatsoever. None. Nobody has any evidence whatsoever about this natural movement from an animal, which is a natural anyway, to a human being. None. There's no basis for this. Well, it happened in the SARS-1. Well, so what? You would think if it happened here, there'd be something, something that the communist Chinese could put forward, or somebody could, but they can't. Anyway, go ahead, Anna. It is a crazy world out there. I don't know how everybody's coping with this, but we're Getting by, but I'm really anxious at that book of yours. Well, I'm anxious to get it out, too. And I want to thank you. You take care of yourself. Wasn't that a sweet call? Let's keep moving around the country. I can see a lot of calls here. Let us go to St. Augustine, Florida. I think it's the oldest city in America. At least that's what they say. Sirius Satellite, Christopher, go right ahead, sir. 
How you doing? I'm going to try to make it quick because you're the busiest show in the world. Uh, you did an excellent job with uh, Mr. Wade, and I do think a lot of people are uh, stealing your style, by the way, too, because you make people relaxed, and it, it, it truly engages people to watch. But uh, just to let oh, you know, you. too, uh, pre-ordered uh, eight books to wow. people who are Republicans that, oh, yeah, yeah, everything's okay. No, it's not. Uh, I was just in uh, Manasquan, New Jersey yesterday. I flew back today. My grandmother was under one. She passed away. I'm very, very sorry. Uh, I, I talked to No, 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 that, Mark, but I'm trying to make it quick. Um, I got to see uh, one of my cousins, and he's an attorney for Emerson, and we were talking, and I told him, hey, uh, he's conserved. And I said, Mark Levin's book, and he said, you know what shaped me when I went to law school? was Men in Black. Uh, and uh, My first book. This, yeah, absolutely. And he said that shaped him. So I thought you'd get a little humor. That's wonderful. That's and wonderful. I'll tell you this, Fauci. And I'll tell you this, Fauci, right? Yeah. We were talking yesterday, and I said this joke at the table, but I said, Fauci, he's like a zoo animal at feeding time, you know, with the media looking with his mouth open. You know, well, the media make people, the media break people. And you know why they wanted to keep pushing Fauci, 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 because they used him to try and get at Trump and said, well, Dr. Fauci says this and he's the pro and he's a but look at Trump, this ragtag, you know, TV guy. And and yet Trump was right about the lab, in my view. It was Trump that led the effort. And I have inside information, too, on the warp speed. Fauci was dragging his feet here and there. Um, even the hydroxychloroquine, to turn that into some kind of a poison drug when it's over-the-counter, when it's perfectly fine, and many doctors swear by it. Some don't, some do, so be it. And I've told people on the show, I took hydroxychloroquine for months. And I have asthma and heart disease. didn't bother me. And I took it the way I was told to take it. And it was a prophylactic. I never got anything. I mean... Never got anything. I think it's just disgusting that no matter what Donald Trump said, they had to go against because he was the green. That's why I love him as the best. Thank you for letting me get on your show. And I just want to say one thing. Uh, You know, I've seen pictures of Barney. Um, I'd love to send one to your guys' show. But I have a beautiful Vichler camera that was a rescue when I got it. Eight months old, and mm-hmm. I mean, she's one of the fastest, whatever. But thank you so much, Mr. Levin. All right, my friend. I'm sorry about your grandmother. You take care. I don't have enough time for a caller. i got 45 seconds left. So I'll see you in about a half hour, 9.35 p.m. on Hannity. I hope you'll join us. Uh, I got a new haircut. No, I didn't. I have to do the same thing all the time. You know, it's not like I have a hairdo or anything like that. But in any event, I also hope you'll jump in. You've heard other callers talk about it. These aren't set-up callers. These are just wonderful patriots who are ready to roll. I hope you'll get to Amazon and pre-order your copies of uh, American Marxism, if you can. Now's the time. First edition, almost 40% off. You'll have it on the day it comes out. And anyway, I just want to thank all you heroes, all of you out there. God bless you. 